Welcome to Engineering Leadership Insights, the podcast where we share perspectives, knowledge, practical advice, and actionable steps to help engineering managers and leaders become game changers in their teams, their business, and in life. I'm your host, Jimmy Banjo. I'm going to start today with a short quote from Brian Tracy. He says, the glue that holds all relationships together, including the relationship between the leader and the led, is trust. And trust is based on integrity. What is trust? Well, trust, as defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. It's one in which confidence is placed. You might be asking at this point, what am I getting at? Well, today I'm going to talk to you about the importance of trust, how and how to build trust in your teams. In a previous podcast, I shared ways to turn around an underperforming team, but I made a really big assumption that the relationship between the leader and the team was intact and healthy. That is not always the case. Quite often, I find that when teams are underperforming, in addition to having no clear direction about where they're trying to go, not fully understanding their current performance level, so having no clear baseline, and all the other issues I I raised and discussed around trying to help them perform better. There are clear problems with the relationship, the behaviors, the attitudes of the team, especially between the leader and the people they're leading. So if we don't get the relationship right, even if we put in better ways of managing and better practices, we have very clear goals. We won't see, well, I've never seen lasting and really deep improvement. The improvements may last as long as I, the consultant, am around or a few weeks after, or as long as the chief executive or the regional manager is interested, you'll see some uplift. But I've never seen the real significant improvements in any team when the when the behaviors of the team are not addressed and their relationships are not are not standing I, i'll give a quick example i remember working with the, the team once engineers quite senior engineers and we were trying to define some appropriate measures that we could use to actually help one department in particular that was struggling now, there was a manager, um, let's say like a business an analyst. He led a team of analysts and they collected a lot of data through the organization. Now, the company looked to his team to provide insights and to provide the right measures because they, they had the software and the, and the technology to be able to generate some really wonderful data based on performance. And the, when we asked the business analyst manager to provide this information her response was to turn around and say no she will not do it 
because that's not what the business needs. She told her peers whom were her internal customers, she will not do that ever. And they should make do with what she provides them once a month or once a quarter. Now they all turned around and told her what she was giving them was not sufficient. She raised her voice, pushed away from the chair, folded her arms and said, I will not do that. If you want the information, you should check the work reports and the receipts and all the emails by yourself. That's what a manager should do. And that was the end of the conversation. So in this environment, we had a very good plan of what we needed to do, but the relationship between that particular person and her team, and this, in this case, her peers, was extremely poor. Now, the real challenge here was the manager of that team really took no interest in trying to improve the team dynamic or team rapport. In fact, when the person's attitude began to manifest in this meeting, the senior manager, the vice president, left the meeting room and never followed up, never took up, never took on the business analyst manager on her behavior, on her attitude, on what was driving it, or or various other attitudes that were manifesting. And, and that's an example of one person, one team. But going back to this particular vice president, and he was an engineer, this was an engineering organization. Um, he never, he had, he had these kinds of issues with pretty much all of his team members, where they would openly stand in the hall and tell interns why their peers, other, you know, directors of, 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 of chemical engineering or such were incompetent, were alcoholics, were addicts. These weren't true, by the way. These guys were all highly skilled, but they would come publicly and tell junior members of staff how useless and how stupid their peers were. They would never make decisions that would cause them an inconvenience, even if they knew that it would help their peers. And I know never is a harsh word, so let me use the, let me rephrase that. They rarely did. And I would confront them on this and ask, you know, do you know that by, let's take the business analyst example, you know, by helping your production manager, the business will do better. That may mean you're going to need to, to either stop doing certain things or an extra 30 minutes or an hour a week of your team's time will have to be done to adjust, to give him the reporting he wants. But maybe we can cut back, I told her, on some of the reporting you're doing that is not so so useful. So a response from her, and this was typical of this particular leadership team, was, no, that's not in my job description, and I'm not going to you know, invest an extra hour of my week to do something that they should be doing themselves, or they should because I know what I'm doing is good enough. And the reality is, Jimmy, they would never do the same thing for me. So why should I make their life easier? They're all graduates and a couple of them have PhDs. So I don't really see why I have to pander to them. So imagine that conversation, but on almost every single topic, whether it was quality assurance, whether it was planning, whether it's production or maintenance, on um, refurbishing equipment, on sales. Just imagine that level of resistance on every single topic. 
And I am trying to understate it, how, how tense this, this team was. So trying to go in there and establish a, a baseline for performance could be quite easy. We could measure the work. Trying to get them to agree what success would be would be difficult because professionally they don't agree, but also personally they have issues. And so their leader, the vice president, had a lot of work to do to step in and get that team collaborating and, and working together. And the fundamental thing missing from that was trust. These guys didn't believe that the other managers were competent or wanted to help them. And they didn't believe that, that, you know, if they helped them and, and they look, or if they were vulnerable and, and admitted where they were struggling, that that would one, maybe perhaps their peers or their boss could use that against them. And the reality was they were using that against them. So when someone did come up and open up, it was, it was used in appraisals against them. It was used in meetings. It was used by the peers to say that person was incompetent. And people who never asked for help, who never put their hand up, even if they were underperforming, were hailed as being in control, in charge, and really just the good guys. And this team was underperforming significantly. They were spending over 200% their budget of their budget. And um, their customer was extremely dissatisfied with their level of performance to the point they were looking for a new supplier. And keep in mind, they got 80 to 90% of their work was from one customer. This company had been set up to service a particular business. Okay, so... Uh, an, uh, an interesting illustration. I, I wish I could say in my line of work, it wasn't typical, but I do find a lot of trust issues when coming into work with engineering and technical companies. So backtrack, we're going to be talking about how to build trust. And this podcast, I'm going to focus on why it's really so important. So why is trust important? Well, we have to trust and, and in the workplace, your team need to be able to trust that you, the leader, are competent. That is, you know what it is you're doing or trying to do. That you're fair. You will treat people in a consistent manner. That you are committed. You're going to do whatever it takes within reason, legally and ethically and morally. But you're going to go that extra mile, you know, to help unblock their blockages, to help them solve their problems, to give them the training they need to fight for the resources they want to. Big part of being a leader is fighting. There's no, there's no good being a manager where they come to you for help and you say, well, you know what, nothing I can do. You go do that. You go talk to the CEO. You go talk to that client who's been harassing you and not answering your calls. When they've come to you saying after two or three weeks or a couple months of trying, They've hit a brick wall. They need you now to step in and do something. If your answer is no, I'm too busy, or you go do that, then they're not going to trust you, trust that you're committed. And unfortunately, commitment is shown through helping them resolve issues. They have to trust that you're respectful. But when they come to you, when they have made a big mistake and messed it up royally, that you're going to help them. Even if the answer is, you're going, you, if, if the worst case scenario, they're going to have to lose their job because they have broken the law and you, you're not going to cover up something that will, you know, be bad for the business, bad for you and really ultimately bad for them for escaping accountability. 
that you can still do that in a respectful manner. Now, listen, it's not easy to do that. And it's not about letting them get away with it, like I said, but showing that they're still people and you still, and you'll still treat them like a decent human being to be compassionate, compassionate about things they're struggling with. compassionate about, you know, it takes a while to learn a job and learn it well. And when they have made a mistake, they've been disciplined or they've had to, you know, they've had to endure egg on their face. You've had to come down hard to still be compassionate. I remember saying about, you know, you, you chastise a child with one hand and you, and you bring them together, you bring them close to the other, that balance. Compassion also means that you will, that you care about what's going on in their life. Uh, I think back to an example, again, another example in a technical company with a colleague. He was a, interestingly a business, a business analyst, but he wasn't a manager and he'd broken up with his girlfriend. Now it was a real, it was really, really stressful for him. Now, Initially, I think, well, breaking up your girlfriend, that's not that big a deal because, you know, you know, you can get a girlfriend easily, I guess, but maybe he couldn't. But this is someone I, this woman had meant a lot to him. And I noticed this because I saw this grown man in the corridor with another colleague crying, really, really crying. So this tells me there's something wrong. And whether it's his girlfriend breaking up with him or his dog dying or his you know, he's lost his house or even, you know, of someone close to his, a close member of his family passing away. He was clearly very distraught. How do you think his technical manager responded to this? Well, he responded in a, in a very straightforward manner. And I know because I was, I was involved in, well, I was involved. I won't tell you exactly how, but the conversation went like, went like this. I don't expect you to let your personal affairs affect your work. And so I don't expect really any more of this kind of behavior. And that was it. I will, needless to say, less than two months later, the business analyst resigned from the company and got a job somewhere else. Now, I'm not saying that you should allow your staff to have time off because their girlfriend, uh, their golf, sorry, their, their girlfriend dumps them or their cat dies. But understand that we are emotional beings and someone can still go through a very deep and distressing sense of loss for something that you may seem, you may seem or feel is inconsequential. And to be able to be compassionate and empathize with that person is critical as a leader. So I talked about they need to trust you're competent, you're fair, you're committed, you're respectful and compassionate. Listen, it's important that the person you're dealing with believes that, but everybody else in your team needs to see that you're that kind of person. Because if they see that you've treated that person fairly, compassionately, that you in that scenario, stepped in and were committed to help them resolve that issue. That builds their trust in you, even though they've not had any issue. But if they see you treat other people in that team badly, yeah, your one or two favorites may feel they're different, they're special. To some extent, 
but they're not going to have as much trust in you and as much belief that you're really going to be there and fight for them or, or treat them in a way that is worthy of that kind of respect if the shoe's on the other foot. Trust is also important because your team needs to be able to trust each other. So it's the exact same thing about the, the, the point above. They've got to trust the competency, the fairness, the commitment, the res- that their, their peers will be respectful of each other and compassionate. But they've also got to trust each other that when they expose their weaknesses to their colleagues, that their colleagues won't you know, use that as the very stick to beat them. When they ask for help from their peers, it won't be used as a sign of weakness. They won't be mocked and insulted. It's really critical that they can trust each other so that if they do need to take a, a, a drop in performance to help a peer, because doing that will raise the standard of the entire team and, and, and raise the performance level of the entire team, they'll be willing to do that. An example, I did some work for an oil company and there was a a superintendent. Let's just say he was the maintenance superintendent. And they were doing some work on their budget. And we'd been able to rebalance the budgets and create a process that helped each of the teams manage their money better. Into the second quarter of the year, the maintenance manager realized, because of the work that he'd done with us, he had about $2 million excess budget. And do you know what he did? He gave the money back. He told the the asset manager that he has a surplus. He believes he's a surplus now based on better planning, based on some better decisions he was able to make with the support of his boss and his team. And he gave that money back. Now that sounds weird because... Sometimes, wouldn't you want to hold on to that cash to the year just in case, just in case something else came up, just in case you could do a fantastic project that would make you look like a superstar. But he knew that his team needed that cash for other things. And so he gave it back. That's a behavior that shows his commitment to the team. And do you think that that hurt or helped the degree of trust his peers had in him, the degree of trust his manager had in him. Of course, it went really, it went really high, went up. So that's typical, that's that's well, typical in a team where there's a lot of trust, but you don't see that in a team where there is none. So ask yourself in your leadership team, in the teams you're 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 working in, would you see that kind of behavior? And let me know in the comment section. Huh? So I've discussed why trust is important. What happens when there is no trust? Well, I will share that in the next podcast. Thank you for listening. And I do appreciate your insights and your feedback on this podcast and on any others I'm doing. Please, you can do that by leaving a comment in the comment section in iTunes or in Stitcher. Preferably, you can send me an email at hello at folajimmy.com. If you are having issues with trust or relationships in your teams and you like my view or my perspective on what you could do about it, 
You can set up a 45-minute call with me by going to my website, www.tholajimmy.com forward slash consultation, and we can have a quick chat about what's going on and different things you can try. And if you're already trying some things, I'm happy to give you a second opinion on what you're doing to see what's working, what may work, may not work, and see how we can help. And thanks again for listening. I really do appreciate you taking time out and have a great day. Bye.